Welcome back to another episode of Ales with Aslan, your weekly therapy session for those who sell for a living and those who help those who sell for a living. And we got Mr. Mark Lampson, president and global overlord of selling back in the house. And uh, we're going to talk about virtual discovery. But first, I know he is as thirsty as he has ever been. He told me so before, and he's been just wandering in the desert for decades waiting for the beverage. You see these pretzels? Yeah. These pretzels are making me thirsty. Well, then stop is, eating them and start drinking something. What do you got there? That is a true, I stole it from my wife. She only gets a few oh. of these and I'm not allowed. Don't tell her. Oh, that's Harpoon her. Camp Wana Mango. Oh Crisp, my God, I love Tropical that. refreshing pale ale with mango. I had that like two weeks ago. So good. Mm -hmm. so it is good. good. Oh, oh, let's and I, I have one of these fancy bottle openers I don't know how to use. Hold on. Oh, you broke oh, it. You broke there, it. I got it. I got it. And I only have a glass. I'm going right from the bottom. I'm slugging it right down. <laughs> what was the ABV on that? Anything good? Something over five, I would assume. I don't care. If it's not enough, I'll drink two. Whew, that right. tastes good. All right. I'm going to go <clears throat> with – now, you're a huge fan of this brewing company. I know you love Whalers, right? Um, Big fan. Have you ever had the Orion? I am going to try that for the first time. It's, I, uh, I have not. It's a mildly tart Berliner Weiss, which features a sweet constellation of blue, black, and raspberries. Hmm. So we're going to crack that. That's going to uh, have a crisp, dry finish, and it is a 5.0 ABV. Let's check that out. Mm. I'm getting the raspberry. I'm really getting the raspberry. That's awesome. That's <laughs> really good. That's really good. All right. Well, I know we've, uh, gosh, we've been doing a lot of virtual training lately and a lot of virtual selling. So let's talk about virtual discovery because I know you are passionate about this. It's something that is fresh on your mind. So what can you tell us about the keys to virtual discovery? Yeah, well, I think this is an important topic. We've been pushing information out on <clears throat> virtual presentations, yep. which are hard. Yep. Uh, you know, how to send emails to get Matt meetings, how to use the phone to get meetings. But there's an in-between piece, which I, I personally think is the most important part of selling. And I don't want to say the hardest, but if you do it incorrectly, you don't have a chance. Your presentation is completely dependent on how well you do discovery. So you can do the best virtual presentation in the world. But if you can't get a customer to open up and tell you the what we call the unfiltered truth and really give you what's going on, what their decision criteria are, who's involved, what their previous experience, their real hesitation. And you can really get that level of, of honest, open opinions. Uh, you have a good chance at connecting your solution if it fits yep. to them. And virtual, I, I wanted to put this on the map and I got it on your agenda because it's harder to do discovery virtually. You, you yeah, don't have sure. the body language. You can't, you can't get the, the nonverbal communication as easy. It's hard. Yeah, so, I, wonder, uh, I wonder what percentage of sales reps out there, this would be a great question for our fans to answer and let us know, but what percentage are actually using something other than the phone, using Zoom or, or some of these, uh, these online meeting tools to do their discovery? Because I think this is going to be super helpful uh, for those folks that are, that are either doing that today or con contemplating doing it because uh, I think you've got some great clues and keys in here. Yeah. Have, uh, you know, we do very little 
non-Zoom meetings and conversations and internally, externally. I think people right. are just used to it. I mean, they can just go click and it works on your app. So I think getting comfortable with something really easy. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I don't know all the different tools that are out there. I know we're a Zoom company uh, and I know it's easy. I know it works. You click on it. We actually use Ring Central. I'll, I'll put a pitch in for Ring Central. We use Ring Central meetings as part of our Ring Central phone system. Mm-hmm. Always works. People can click on it. They can join via phone. They can join via computer. So I think that's a, a good starting point. But yeah. Um, and, and I guess maybe I, I, I'll, well, I'll go back to what we teach about just normal discovery. Yeah. The goal of discovery is to do what we call take the trip. Yeah. Take the trip is, it's our antidote to the polar principle, right? Polar principle says someone has a different point of view, polar opposite point of view. The only way that they're really become interested in your perspective is you understand their perspective and they know that you understand it. Yep. We, uh, we were doing some training the other day. I assigned some advanced homework <laughs> to our, to our group. Yeah. Yep. So you want to talk about opposite perspectives, politics. Oh. So I don't care whether you're a Democrat, hold your tongue. I know this is close to your heart. Hold your tongue. This is a podcast. Yep. It's for salespeople. It but is. yeah, I don't care if you're a Democrat or a Republican, just go find someone on the other side and sit down and, and say, I, I really do want to know what you think, why you think, how come you're a smart person. I really want to understand because you know, we don't agree on these things, but I want to understand where you're coming from. And it's, it's incredibly enlightening. To, to, to really have that agenda, not to change their opinion, but to right. really understand where they're coming from. So that's take the trip in a nutshell. You would be proud of me. I just, I just did that exact thing with somebody from the exact polar opposite, and I did listen. And I didn't change my mind. And, and he, so. <laughs> well, it's, a, it's a starting point. And it politics is, is, a sure. pretty, is a pretty hard sell. It is. It is. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's what we're trying to do is take the trip. We're trying to, to, you know, first get their perspective so that we can, you know, share our perspective in a, in a virtual conversation. So that's what we're trying to do. Uh, we usually talk about two things. What do we ask and how do we ask it? Mm-hmm. Virtually, I'm going to add something else at the beginning of our conversations. Yeah. So again, depends if you're using the phone. Uh, but if you're using Zoom or something else, we have a phenomenal opportunity to record these sessions, yes. record a discovery conversation. Okay. Everyone's going to say, well, we're not allowed. There's legal. I'll skip all that. I will tell you that, that, uh, when you have, when you have both people's permission to record something, it's always legal. So I'll yep. start there. Yep. And so the best thing to do is just get their permission. Why would a customer want you to record the call? You can listen to another podcast and say, we should always have another centered reason for doing something. Absolutely. And so what I say to customers is whether I'm doing discovery, whether I'm going to do a presentation or whether it's a little bit of both, I'll say, Hey, I know we're going to talk for a few minutes. Would it, would it be helpful to record this and I can send you the link that way you don't have to take notes. And if you want to share it with someone else in your organization, you can just go ahead and share it with them. That'd be great. I may mean, have people say, that'd be perfect. Sure, no problem. If you'd like to, go for it. So I have their permission. I hit record. Yeah. Awesome. By the way, when, when you record it and, and you present that other centered reason, even just so we make sure collective we, co- collectively we have all the information that comes out of this makes it you know, very efficient for us to move to the next steps, if there are any. Um, that we've recorded this and, and neither one of us is dependent on a handwritten note. We can just check the videotape 
and know what uh, what our, our next steps that were agreed to and any stories that were told that were helpful. So I totally can see customers buying into that. It makes, it makes a lot of sense. You said collectively, collectively. I did because- but what's, what's the ABV? Can I just show me the ABV on that again? It's five. Collectively? It's five. Is that high? I don't think- Go, well, go slow. Go uh, slow. Elmer J. Fudd, millionaire. <laughs> I own a mansion and a yacht. Yes, I'm, I'm pulling my Elmer J. Fudd. Stop yeah. Me. Recording's awesome. Uh, a couple of things for a salesperson. One, great way to coach yourself. See how you did. It may not be fun, may not be enjoyable, may not be as fun as the movie you're going to watch on Netflix, but there's no better way to watch yourself and listen to yourself. Two, you don't need, really need to take as many notes. If you're going to commit to listening to it, go back and take notes. Go back yeah. and just instead focus on the customer focus, instead of writing your notes. Third, coaching. We're working with a lot of coaches right now. This virtual approach is a great coaching people in the field is difficult. Coaching people on inside is easy, but when all these field reps are using Zoom and other things with coat with recorded sessions, give it to your manager and ask him or her to coach. Yeah. And 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 walk through it and help give you some feedback. So phenomenal opportunity. Number one doesn't help you do discovery. It helps you get better at discovery, helps you get better at everything virtually, is record it, give the customer a reason to record it. But then we're down to the two things. What do we ask and how do we ask it? Uh, I think what do we ask is, is the same whether it's in person or virtually. We, we, we talk about a discovery roadmap. I'm sure that's on a podcast somewhere. Uh, but if we want to take the trip, we need a map. A lot of things we can ask. Just in general, we're very – I see a lot of salespeople – myself included, we tend to get question focused yeah. uh, versus information focused. So we're all focused on like what questions do we ask versus just back up and say, hey, there's three things I really want to learn. But we try to boil it down to, to the three Ps, plans, problems, and players. What are their plans? What's the customer trying to do? What do they want to do? What are they doing to get their problems? Well, why can't get that there? What are the barriers? What's the issues that they have going on that prevents them from getting to their plan. I mean, this is what we need to find out, whether it's conscious problems or unconscious problems. I hadn't thought about it. These are things that we need to address to get to their plan. And the last piece is players, which I think is, in my opinion, is that what's most usually missed by salespeople. We find a, we find a problem, we start solving it, but we don't back up and say, well, great. You know, if this is a problem we wanna to solve together, couple of things. Number one, like where does this even fall in your priority list? Because sometimes our biggest competition is just other competing priorities. They're trying to do other things too, is who's involved, who's the players, what's the process, what are your criteria? So we get excited as a problem that we can solve, but they stall. This is the reason people things stall because we don't really know where it is in the list, who's involved, what's the process, and then we can't therefore manage that process. So, mm -hmm. but that's pretty, that's pretty much the same what we ask. I think the the key to virtual discovery is about how we get that information. The, the ask, we, we do two things. We ask and we respond. We ask questions and we respond to the answers. And that's what's, I think, different. Yep. Yep. No, I, that all makes sense. That all, that all makes complete sense. So, so if, if all of that's the same, whether we, at, whether we do it on a virtual meeting or in a face-to-face -face meeting, what, what is different about <laughs> virtual you know, and, and again, I think we started this by saying you can't see reaction. The cool thing about video calls is you actually can. I mean, I think I've told the story before, but I remember a marketing agency calling on me and I had Tom, our CEO, on the call. And at one point, she, the sales rep said, 
Tom, that looks like it might have been confusing to you. Let me back us up. Called on the person that had made the statement, which was not her, someone else in her organization, and said, Tom, you know, ask your question because I can see you have one. Like, how awesome to pay that level of attention. So as we ask these questions, you know, you can see a reaction and you can tell if someone's getting it or not getting it and make sure another term that we'll talk about in another podcast, you check your six and, and make sure that you, you aren't leaving something on the table there. Uh, that person that, that did that to us did catch Tom off guard. He was super appreciative that she stopped him. They answered some questions. We did wind up hiring that group. So it's really, really critical to noticing the body language. But what else is different about virtual? Yeah, I think, you know, uh, just like you said, you know, the, uh, the body language, it's when we're asking the customer questions, they don't see our body language and they don't see a lot of times good salespeople ask tough questions. Yeah. You know, we, we, we ask things around budget or financials or we ask them why they do certain things or we ask them why they don't do certain things. Yeah. Um, a lot of times we ask questions that maybe they don't see as completely relevant. And we're working with a firm that, that sells medicines to vets. Mm -hmm. But one of the things they do is provide programs for their staff to sort of help them be better trained. And so if I ask a vet a non-medical question, they kind of say, well, what do you mean how's my staff morale? <laughs> kind of none of your, none, like none of your business, That's right? right, yeah. And so all these things that we do that we typically could lean in or kind of use a hand gesture, even if we're on Zoom, they're not really paying attention. Who knows what they're looking at? Maybe there's a slide up, but it's just harder to get that vibe, so to speak. So when we ask those tough questions, we need to prime, we need to prime them. And we, we talk about two things, priming questions virtually or anyway, but, but especially virtually is around two things I'd say. One is give them a reason for asking the question. Mm -hmm. So I'm asking this question, which, which the customer doesn't see maybe why it's relevant. And, and by the way, if, if a customer says, I'm not sure why this is relevant, they assume the negative. Of course. And then their receptivity gets hurt. Yep. So when we ask a question, we were, let's take this example of, you know, uh, asking about HR, asking about staff morale, we could say, well, how's your staff morale? The customer might think or say, well, none of your business. But if we say, we have some programs for staff that you might not be aware of. Can I ask you a couple, you know, can I ask you, how's the staff morale? Uh, how are they doing with all the, you know, COVID craziness? And so priming questions even more important virtually because it's, it's harder to, to, to kind of give a meta message or body language in person when you're, when you're remote. I, I give you a real sort of statistic here. We, a long time ago, we worked with a, health coaching firm, mm -hmm. they enroll people into, they're, you know, they're hired by the insurance in the health insurance companies to enroll people in the population that have chronic conditions. They, that they, you know, whether it's diabetes or uh, asthma, things that put, go in the hospital. Anyway, bottom line is they say, well, we have health coaches that are experts in this and they help provide you education and resources and just stay in touch and help you, help you manage your health. Great. Everyone wins. It's free. It's paid for by the healthcare organization. So they would call people, they would enroll them. One of the questions they would ask in their intake or discovery was, what's your household income? As you can imagine, yeah, right? Bro. They're over the phone. There's a nurse on the phone. It's a train. It's a nurse. And all of a sudden, I said, well, how much money did your family make? Whoa, 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 hold on a second. Let's take a time out, <laughs> yeah. right? 
Yeah. So as you can imagine, 13% of people answered the question. I bet. So we said, well, why do you ask that? Yeah. Why? Well, why do you ask that question? Like, oh my God, there's all this research on your socioeconomic status and where you live determines your access to healthcare, your ability to get drugs, your ability to be compliant with certain drugs. They went on and on and on about the research. And when they know where people are, they change how often they call them. They change the programs that they provide to them. They can get them more discounts or the healthcare. It's, it's like crazy. Yeah. And we just simply said, well, do you tell them that? Well, no. Okay, so well, why don't you just give them the other-centered reason for that question? Right. So they did. They just said, there's a lot of research, and based on your socioeconomic status, we're going to change our program to make sure you have the best access to health care. 13% went to 88% of people answered the question, just giving them an other-centered reason. So when you don't have that in-person benefit to really see and feel and get someone and you're over the phone or you're on Zoom, prime those tough questions with another centered reason. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. And that's incredible statistical <laughs> backup to, to show that it works too. So that's, that's amazing. All right. So good. How much um, money do you make? How much money do you make? Yeah, I can't tell you. I mean, I, I can't say. <laughs> Can you stall another second? I'm still finishing my pretzel and the sip of beer, please. Excuse Absolutely. Me. Yes. Allow, allow me to tap dance while you, that's a long chug, by the way. I mean, do you think maybe that's a problem that you, that you spend six or seven seconds like that with a beer turned upside down? Are you done? <laughs> I'm, I'm not, afraid. I'm not even being paid for this appearance. No. Well, I mean, sort of indirectly. I mean, for every 10 people we get on board, it represents a, a couple pennies in our pocket. There you go. Does that count? Yeah. <clears throat> so, all right. So we're still on the ask part and I know we're yeah. going to get to the respond part, but yeah, what's, what's the, there's a, there's a, there's a B part to the ask. Prime well, the B part, then, yeah. A B part is it's hard to, it's hard to, it's hard to track, right? So the other basic staple in discovery and, and virtually this is more important is use their answer in your question. So when we ask this stream of questions, one of the things that happens virtually is, we're not, we're not, we're not, there's a delay, right? We know people are delayed. There's a delay in the sound. People can't hear. There's talking over. Sometimes your video is off from your audio. So the back and forth gets really awkward. Mm -hmm. And when we ask a question, they answer, there's a pause. They're not sure if we heard their answer. So the best way to, to do this is just use part of their answer in every question as best you can. Yeah. So when they say, you know, well, when, when they say whatever, just say, well, tell me a little bit more about that. Well, you mentioned this. How about this? How about that? Uh, it's, it's just using a word or a phrase and lets them know you're listening. And by the way, if you, if you establish this as your rule, so to speak, you actually do have to listen. If you say to yourself, I am going to use their answer to my questions as I go, yeah. you actually have to listen, which is kind of a crazy concept. Listen to the customer. Don't worry about your next question. Just know that you're going to take part of your answer. So give them a reason for the question, use their answer in your question. And generally your, your asking is going to be met with uh, receptivity. They're going to be, be forthcoming and give you some good, honest information. Well, and, and it's, it's a great trait to, to try out on friends and family too. Um, when you really have someone in your life who accuses you of not listening and I'm not going to name names. Um, 
you really, you really can try this as a tactic to try to force yourself into a better habit of listening. To your point, I mean, if you go in thinking I'm going to use your words and make, make it as non-mechanical as you can, because I've tried it and sounded mechanical and been accused of, <clears throat> of not really trying. So, um, tell me more airing. about not really trying. I'm not airing any really dirty laundry here, but my point is, tell me more about dirty works. laundry. Tell me <laughs> who's in control of a conversation. Who's in control of this conversation? The person Why am I questions? in control of this conversation? Yeah. Okay, you're drinking your beer, I'm going to stall for you. You're going to drink your beer, I'm going to stall for you. Yeah, so we ask them to respond. Right. This is kind of the important part. We have to say something back to when they, when they give us answers. Exactly. Um, we use the beat. Preferably. Uh, that's, that's preferable. Sometimes yeah. it's hit or miss. But at least we can get talk about a model. We use the model list. We use the model LEAD, L-E-A-D. Mm-hmm. Stands for listen, empathetically acknowledge, and drop the rope. Listen. Empathetically acknowledge and drop the rope. It's really listen, acknowledge, and drop the rope, but lad doesn't really mean anything, so lead sounds better, so we do that. A fine lad. Yeah, that doesn't mm-hmm. work as well. No, it's, that's spelled wrong. And so, so listening just means listen to their answer, which we're talking about with no agenda, clear your cash, don't listen to jump in, don't listen to use the data against them, just listen. Remember, we're taking the trip. Our goal is to get through all this and go back and give and feed back to them what we heard, what they're saying, what they're, what they're thinking and feeling. The empathetically acknowledge, that's where we, 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 we acknowledge empathetically part is the feeling piece. What, not just what they're saying, but what they mean. It doesn't mean to be a court reporter and just say the words they said. It means to, to, to make some inferences and draw some conclusions, what they're saying, what they're not saying, why they're, why they're saying that, what they're feeling. And just say, this is, what you're, this is what I'm understanding the situation is. Right. You said this, you mentioned this, this is causing this stress, this is fine, you're okay with this, this is why you would do this or wouldn't do this, and really this is a priority or not a priority. I'm going to say, is that right? Do I ha- is, is that about accurate? And as I tell that story, yeah. a couple things happen. One is I, I get a chance to, to kind of fill in my notes. I'm like, oh yeah, and I for- and what what about this? I forgot to ask this question. And the other thing that happens is they get a chance to fill in their story or correct anything. Sometimes I have people say, well, I also meant to say that this is going on, or I forgot to mention this. So when you feed it back to them, you tell them you've been listening. You kind of summarize the picture, and you're ultimately taking the trip. You're letting them know that their position, their point of view, has been understood. Yeah, and you got it. Exactly. Yeah, that's the goal. Exactly. The goal is that they say exactly. You know, yeah. that's what we're after. So yeah, that's exactly it. So I that's feel the totally understood. That's the last. Uh, I don't really understand you, but um, you know, uh, tolerate is that a word or no? Or is it, that it is, is, but it doesn't fit within lead. That's true. It would be leet. Leet. Yeah. <laughs> I am uh, going to be leet. But no, virtual, virtual discovery is really successful when we focus on getting them to say exactly, yes, I know as a customer that now you understand my perspective. And once we have that, once they feel validated and their mm. perspective has been understood, 
it, it makes it very easy. What's our D? Our D to, to, to lead is drop the rope, of course. It's, of course. You know, would you be open to hearing my perspective? And when you've heard theirs and listened to theirs, they're, they're much more open. This, it's, it's just a, a basic, uh, it's, a, it's our power principle. People don't want to hear your perspective until you understand their perspective. And virtually that's harder. So record it, prime the reason, prime it with another centered reason, use their answers in your question, and then ultimately lead. Get them to, get them to say exactly. Once yeah. they say exactly, the, the, the world's yours to share your point of view, your recommendation, and they're more receptive to that, virtually or otherwise. And you're halfway home if you're doing this in a political discussion, right? So most likely, and I love that you brought that up in the beginning, no one is going to listen to your point of view until their point of view is understood or, or at least heard. It's the old Covey principle of seek first to understand, then to be understood. And, and, and I love this, and I think that's a great example, and maybe a good place to practice this, to truly listen to somebody else's side and, and know that you may or may not wind up agreeing with it but truly listen to understand and then be able to repeat back to them to the point where you get to hear and exactly you've done two things. You've, you've understood it in your own right and you validated that you were listening to them and they feel heard. They feel understood. They feel uniquely valued by you. Uh, and, and that is the only time when we're going to potentially be able to convince somebody of a different point of view. And so I think this is, this is great. This is great for not only our salespeople out there as salespeople, but also as humans. So. You and, know I, and, I, and I got to drink a beer. I, I got to drink a beer because I was really thirsty. As did I. And the pretzels are still making you thirsty. Well, Mr. the pretzels are gone and I drank my beer. So I'd say it's about pretty much a neutral impact. I think I'm better than I started. Or, you know, some sort of win-win. I mean, I think mm -hmm. the pretzels won. They're in a happy place. Your beer is definitely happy and you're happy. So it's all win-win-win. You know what I want to know from our audience? We always say, you always say the generic, like, like us on Facebook or yeah. wherever you say and share us or something or whatever you're supposed to yeah. do on tweet and gram and Instagram and snap and I don't know what you're on. But I, you know what I'd like to know from the audience? You're like Bill Belichick now. I mean, I hope, the right. I hope they're listening. I hope they're listening. I hope they're, I want to know what beer should we drink next time? I mean, that's how, because it's kind of like PBS. You know, they come on, they say, well, you got to send money in. Otherwise we can't keep the funding. And you know, if you, donate twelve ninety five a month, they're going to send you a free Frisbee. So, you know, we don't have any Frisbees, but I, I'd like to just know that people give a damn about this thing. So just yeah. simply say, here's a beer you should try. I mean, better yet, let's be honest. Send, send beer. Yeah. Send beer. Send yeah. the beer. I, yeah. I knew you were going there. Yeah. Send the beer. Yeah. We, and, you know, in the beginning, we were, much more, we were much more self-promotional about this. Yeah. And, we, and we did have a six-pack arrive. And I won't name the person because they said they didn't want to be named, but it only happened once. Like one person yeah. in what, 70 shows? All right, 34 South River Drive, Narragansett, Rhode Island, 02882. There it is. I know that's probably <laughs> violating some privacy policy, but dump it in there. I mean, I'd love to, and you know, put a note or something. We'll give you a free 10 minutes of coaching. I don't know. Just send beer, send please. Beer. Very. I, I think it's perfect. No, I don't think okay. we violated anything, but. We're up to what, 12,000 listens, downloads, whatever you call it. So, you know, we're going to keep pushing until we get to a million. So you guys have us for a long time. And That's a lot of beer. That's, That's a, lot a lot of beer. Thanks, man. All right. Well, this has been great. Thanks so much for uh, taking us through effective virtual discovery. I think it's a great topic uh, given where we all are right now uh, in, in the COVID crisis. And um, Mark said it. You guys get out there and share this on uh, – 
all of your favorite platforms. Uh, subscribe and help us get this wider. It's, uh, it's all for you, and we just want everybody to enjoy selling for a living, so keep it up. All right, we'll see you next week on another episode of Ales with Aslan. Mm -hmm.